I want to uh, continue what I started last week. Those of you who weren't with us last week, welcome. Uh, you can listen to it online. Uh, we're talking about kingdom relationships. Uh, we use the term kingdom because, thank you, I'm gonna, you're afraid I'm going to knock that over, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> I could get closer, but then I'd spit on Steve. Well, I get excited. The reason we talk about kingdom relationships, because the term Christian has become so diluted, so watered down, it can mean almost anything. If you're just a nice person, uh, people might say you're a Christian. And we're not talking about that. We're talking about people who are submitted to the king, who are part of his kingdom. So we're talking about kingdom relationships. Last week, we taught from Matthew 18 and looked at the foundation for kingdom relationships, which is humility, acceptance, honor, and forgiveness. All in Matthew 18, the whole chapter is about relationships. I'm not going to re-preach that, because I want to go on this morning to uh, the next part. Some of you are saying, how does this fit in with Easter? Just wait until the end and tell me if it doesn't, and then I'll repent. One, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if you would turn there with me, if you have a Bible or an iPad, and if you don't, Michelle is doing the uh, overheads and she's faster than I am, so every time I say a scripture, it'll be there before I get there, so you just have to be patient with me. From uh, verse 12, it says, for we do not commend ourselves again to you but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf that you may have an answer to those who boast in appearance and not in heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God, and if we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Some of you are already jumping ahead and saying, how is this about kingdom relationships? We no longer live for ourselves. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Now turn with me over to Romans chapter 12. You're there already, aren't you, Michelle? <laughs> Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And therefore be conformed, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's the Bible. The first one I read was the Bible. How do they fit together? Are we new or are we being changed? First one said we're a new creation. This one says we're being transformed. So how does it work? If you take the one, it says, hey, we're new. All things have become new. But this one says we're not to be conformed to the world, but we're being transformed by the renewing of our, of our, of our mind. Sorry. My wife told me this morning, don't speak fast. 
but I get excited. <laughs> and it just, too much comes out. So, what I want to talk about this morning is new, yet being transformed. And I want you to understand what that means. When you get saved, our spirit is made alive to God. That's what being born again is all about. Our spirit is made alive to God. Thing is, we can now, once you're saved, receive input from the spirit. Okay, I need, I need some help here. I need Tim to stand over here. And I need Johan to stand over here. I didn't key these guys up a little bit farther. Okay, I'm a person, I'm a soul. New Testament says body, soul, and spirit. Old Testament says body and soul. It was external and internal. New Testament, Greek added another part so we understand. But the soul is virtually your mind, will, and your, and your emotions. Okay, you can think, you can uh, determine things, you can feel. And before we're saved, Tim's the spirit. He's going to stay there for a second. We only have input from the world, the flesh. Okay, that's, that's our input. And so this soul lives in a body and it receives input from the world around us, from our flesh and the world around us. And once we get saved, something happens. We can now receive input from the spirit. Still with me? So I get born again in that I now can receive input from the Spirit, but now I'm facing this dichotomy. Do I receive input from the, the world and the flesh, which I'm used to, that's how I've functioned all my life, or do I now receive input from the Spirit? You still with me? Before we're saved, we can only receive input from the natural world. The flesh. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Outward appearance being the external, being the natural, being the, the world, the heart being the spirit. And so God can see something different. And now we can, because we're born again, can receive that input and we can see something different. You still with me? Yes. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. You guys can sit down. You did very well. <laughs> Excellent standing. I was thinking this morning when we first started that we have two of the coolest bass players. We do. They actually sing. Have you ever seen bass players that sing? They actually sing. Oh, that was. Everyone else was cool too, but. <laughs> I'm in Romans 8, starting at verse 5. It says, Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. What is that saying? It says we can actually determine where we set our mind. Do I set my mind on the input of the flesh, the natural, or do I set my mind on the input of the spirit? For to be carnally minded or to the mindset on the flesh is death. 
But to be spiritually minded, or the mindset on the spirit, is life and peace. Because the more carnal mind, or the mindset on the flesh, is enmity against God. It is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is alive because of righteousness." If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Great thing. We become new when Jesus comes and dwells in us. We become alive to the spirit. We still live in the flesh. We still live in the world. But we no longer have to get our input from the world. We can get our input from the Spirit. That means a lot of things. It means how you look at yourself. But it also means how you look at other people. Back to 2 Corinthians. I had to lay that foundation to get to what I wanted to say this morning. 2 Corinthians 5. You're already there. Therefore, verse 16, therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. We regard no one according to the natural. We regard no one according to what we can see on the external. Because why? They're a new creation. We see them then according to the Spirit as God sees them. You still with me? We've got a little video I want you to watch. Graham Cook. Michelle's going to turn, us, turn it on there. And uh, just listen to what Graham has to say. People just like us. Days when we're brilliant. Days when we have a spirit of stupid. <laughs> Everything in between. We've got our struggles. We've got difficulties in work and so on and so forth. And all of that, that's the best stuff in life. Because that's where we get to practice Jesus That's where Jesus wants to stand in all those places. And we get to be Jesus for each other. So on days when I can't make it, my friends help me. They help me to see things. They help help me to stand. They help me to walk. They help me to press in. It's called fellowship. It's called family. It's called the body of Christ. It's called the habitation, the dwelling place of God. We don't blame each other for our problems and our behavior and our wrong thinking. And it's like, no, dude, you can't do that because this is who you are. And we speak the truth in love to each other. You know, not in this way. You know, we've all had it this way. Someone comes up to you and tells you all the things they don't like about you. Then they tack on the end, and I'm saying this in love. Like, no, you're not, you poisonous little toad. (laughs) Oh, that's not speaking the truth in love. Strike that thought. Speaking the truth, because here's the thing is, they're not speaking the truth. There's a big difference between what is true and what is truth. It may be true that a person has a bad temper. 
But the truth is, they're a new creation in Christ. So if you're speaking the truth, you have to be speaking what God is seeing and what God is releasing and what God is doing. And the truth is, you don't have to have that temper because this is who you are. There was a guy in one of the churches that I work with called Peter. And uh, Peter was an angry man, impatient, intolerant, um, fairly cynical, pessimistic. Just your average NASCAR fan. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just making sure you're awake, all right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> and I'm praying about him one day because I know I'm going to the church. And, and Peter always seems to get in my face with something angry and so on. So I'm thinking, you know, Lord, this is what bothers me about me and Peter. That when Peter comes up to me, I get defensive. Like I'm having to protect myself from him. And that's not fullness. I know it's not fullness to you. And it's sinking into my pea brain that it's not fullness to me either. So I want something else. I don't want to defend myself from Peter. I don't want to attack him. I want to find a way of embracing him because I know he needs to change in some way. And honestly, I could do with the change experience myself. How can we not? So I'm on the, on the way down, I'm, I'm chatting to the Lord about Peter, and he says, okay, Gray, this is what I want you to do. I want you to tell him that he's my gentleman. That's it. Just tell him. Every time you see him, just smile at him. Whatever love you've got, give it to him and tell him, tell him, we've always got some, right? But it's like anything, you know, you give and you get more. You know, just a weird thought there. It doesn't just work with money. Works with peace. Works with joy. Works with love, patience, you know, all that stuff. So they're all resources. So... Peter comes up to me and just said something flat out horrible. <laughs> and I smiled at him and I said, man, I really like you. You're, God, you're God's gentleman. He went, no, I'm not. I said, for sure you are. You're God's gentleman. Well, normally I would meet him. He would like meet, seek me out like four or five times. I met him like 17 times over that weekend. Like, you know, we were doing ballet coming in and out of the restroom and... Open the door, Peter. He opens the door, Graham. <laughs> it's like, hey, Peter, you're God's gentleman. No, I'm not. Sure, for sure you are. It's not my job to change him. In fact, it's not our job to change anyone. Only to demonstrate what God is really like. That's our job. So, <clears throat> so over that course of that weekend, 17 times I dropped that word into his heart. You know? It's not my job to worry about the soil in his heart. That's the Holy Spirit's job. I'm just flicking that seed in. Flick. Flicking that seed in. <laughs> <clears throat> Two weeks later, he gets really mad, storms out of the event. No one sees him in the church for like two or three weeks. I think it's two or three weeks later, he comes in towards the end of worship. His family are all there. He comes in. He walks down the front. 
the, the, the pastor's on the platform just about to do the transition, you know, and uh, he comes up and he says, can I say something? Well, the pastor, the pastor is like so, you know, amazed. He hands him the microphone. And he stands there, and the whole place goes quiet. And he says, you all know me. I'm a horrible man. I'm angry. I'm intolerant. I'm impatient. I'm sarcastic, cynical. You all know me. And he said, but I want to be a gentleman. And I don't know how. I don't, I don't know how. I need help. I want to be a gentleman. Will you help me? Tears and snot everywhere. <laughs> People are stunned. People come rushing. This is where you know that people are wonderful. We have to give them the opportunity to be brilliant. You can't do that if you're telling them something that they're not. So people come rushing to the front and, you know, just praying for him and blessing him. And we no longer know anyone after the flesh. How often do we see people and that becomes our opinion? This person is angry. But see, we can receive the input from the Spirit. A couple things I want to make you understand. What he was talking about is not positive thinking. It's not, I'm going to see the best in Tim. It's, what does the Holy Spirit say? See, it's input from the Spirit. What does God say? And then we're agreeing with God. Then we're declaring what God... We're not trying to change somebody by saying, well, if I speak to Josh in a positive way, I can get him to change. It's not about changing people. We're going to talk about that next week. But it's actually just about agreeing with the Spirit. God says prophetically that this man has a breakthrough anointing in worship, and he's going to minister to people and see people releasing the worship around the, the, the globe. Do we say, nah, that's Tim? Or do we say, that's what the Holy Spirit says? Yes. Holy Spirit says, this man, Josh, is a leader in the kingdom. We say, no, that's Josh. No, we say, no, that's what the Holy Spirit says. And I'm going to declare what the Holy Spirit says. That's really a big part of what prophecy is. It's just declaring what the Holy Spirit is saying over people. Other point I want to make is what Graham said. It's not our job to change anyone. It's not like if I say these things over Tim, I'll make him different. If I just speak loving things to my wife, she'll turn into a whole different person. No, she turns into a whole different person because of Jesus. You can't change people. We need to get that in our heart. That was part of last week's sermon. It's not we're the behavior police looking to see if someone's done something wrong. If your brother sins, go to him alone. No, if your brother sins against you, you go to him alone. It's not we're looking around to see who's doing something wrong. Or we're not looking for someone's problem. You know, if, if Christy just were a little bit nicer, 
I can pick on Chris because she's probably the nicest person in the room. But, but you could say, if she were only a little bit nicer. And so I'm going to start declaring niceness. No, it's what is the Holy Spirit saying? You still with me? Yeah. Kingdom relationships. How do we see people? I want to change directions a little bit. How does someone become a new creation? It's not by hard work. It's not by, I can make my life different. I'm going to clean up my life. Most of us have tried that. If you're still in that place, just give up now. Because it's hopeless. We can't clean up our life. That's not how you become a new creation. Can't make myself new. It's not by following a list of rules or religious expectations. See, the rules only focus on the external. That's what religion is. Let's change the behavior. Let's change the external. But it doesn't change the heart. I'm going to get into this. This is part of next week. Just, I, I like to use an illustration of, of a uh, lemon tree. Lemon tree has lemons. We have a lemon tree in our backyard, and it's got a zillion lemons. And Mary pulls lemons off, and then there's a zillion more. You know, lemons, they just constantly keep coming. And so you can pull all the fruit off the tree, but if you don't change the root, more fruit comes back. Religion says, let's change the behavior, the external. Let's pull the fruit off the tree. You shouldn't be doing that, so, so, so you should be doing this. And let's pull all the fruit off the tree. The problem is it doesn't change the inside, and then more fruit comes back. It's only Jesus that changes the root. He makes us new. So that the fruit eventually goes away. Religion gets focused on the fruit. You get saved. Sorry, every time I step over there, it kind of rings. You get saved, and so it says, now you have to start doing this or stop doing this, and you shouldn't act like this, and, you should, and it's all fruit, and we're pulling the fruit off. But Jesus is actually at work trying to bring a change in the root. And when we're in tune with the Spirit, we agree with what the Spirit is saying, and that's internal. So how does someone become a new cre creation? It's not by following religious rules. It's only Jesus who makes us new. And that's what Easter is all about. In his death, he paid the penalty for our sin that separates us from God. But his resurrection demonstrates the power of God that can make us a new creation. Without the resurrection, Jesus was just another person who died. He might have been a good person. There were a lot of good people who were crucified. He wasn't the only one crucified. There were hundreds of thousands of people who were crucified by the Romans. He was just one of them. What made him different? His, the power of his resurrection. Paul says that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. It's the power of his resurrection that says the promise was fulfilled. He paid the penalty. He's come back to life and now he can change us. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. 
I get excited. I'm going to ask you to bow your head. It's not more spiritual to bow your head. Close your eyes. It's just I don't want you to be distracted by the people. I want to ask you this morning, are you wanting a new life? Maybe you've been working hard at trying to change yourself. But it just hasn't worked. Do you realize that you can't do it yourself? And will you turn to Jesus? Romans 10 says something very simple. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's so easy. It's so simple. He's done it all. Easter is all about that we can come back into relationship with God. He removes our sin. Not just so that we'll go to heaven someday, but so that we can walk in relationship with him. Why do we celebrate Easter? Not because it was an event 1989 years ago, but because Jesus is alive today and we can know him. If you don't know him, we'd love to introduce you to him. When we're finished, we'll have some people in front who would love to uh, talk with you and pray with you, share with you. Back to the majority of us, though, who know Jesus. His plan is to build a church, a bride, that is beautiful. And when we build relationships his way, there's an incredible beauty. There's incredible love. There's incredible joy. When we see people by the Spirit and not by the flesh. When we don't see the problems. Not that we're ignorant. We're not ostriches that put our head in the sand. We're not saying, I'm pretending that doesn't exist. No, we're seeing a different realm, the realm of the Spirit, where God says something different. And we're agreeing with Him. Wonderful. Can you stand? You're surprised. I'm finished. And it's only 10 past. It is Easter. So we finished with a song, Tim. I'm looking at Tim. He's going, because it's early, let's, let's do that. But when we're finished, we're going to do just one song, if the team would come, and then we're going to dismiss. We have some coffee and tea and some chocolate, eggs. Uh, but when we're dismissed, if you'd like someone to pray with you, there'd be some people who would love to do that. But if you don't know Jesus and would like to meet him, we'd love to introduce you. We can't change you. No church in the world can change you. I kind of like you guys, but you can't change anybody. That's why we just give up trying to change people and look to Jesus and let him do it.
He changes us. Now I'm just waffling while they get ready, so. 